0: Tell the people
1: what you're here for. Welcome to another episode of the Russ and Kayla Neese Experience. This is your man, Russ.
2: And this is your girl, Kayla Nice,
1: And together, we are the Russ and Kayla Neese Experience with our EP, Malik.
3: What's up, what's up, what's up, party people? Hey, happy Mother's Day, Kay.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Malik. <laughs> woo i am the mother of the group no i'm the only woman of the group so you know i get that mother's day
3: you are a mother so let's acknowledge you on this mother's day
1: absolutely well mother's day is every day for you here on the show here
2: oh that's so nice russ and full disclosure I'm making us tape on Saturday because Sunday, Mother's Day is the only day of the year that I take off and I do absolutely nothing.
0: <laughs> and
3: as it should be. As it should be. And you know what we're gonna do for you tonight as a Mother's Day's gift, right? We're gonna have we're gonna invite you to the Jill Scott and Erica Badu versus battle. So happy <laughs> Mother's Day. <laughs>
2: You're too late. I've already put the countdown on my story. If y'all don't follow me, see some more of my motherly things at Map It Out, you know, on social media. But I'm already on it. I'll be IG live all night tonight.
1: (laughs) So you'll be seeing there, Kay and Malik, you'll be seeing a technical knockout by Erica Badu all day. She's going to take out Jill Scott. It's not even a, a battle here.
2: I don't think I can't choose. I love them both and I don't really think that it's a battle because each of them were singing each other's songs. I think it's more of a celebration of each other. What did you get from it, Malik? Yeah, I'm Jill
3: Scott all day, every day. Jill Scott is like the ultimate artist. Um I get like Erica, and you know what there's this theory, and I, I know this is not true. This is probably not true, right? But I got a theory that Jill Scott definitely helped Erica with her first album. Because, you know, it sounds like neo
2: Soish, ish so we'll see. I don't know. I don't know about that. I think they're both uh, individual artists, and I like them both. And I think that they both do a great job. Now, Jill Scott, if you've ever been to her concert, I mean, she is phenomenal but Erica, you go to her concert, and I was dancing every single song, so I don't know, just a celebration of not just mothers, but of African-American heritage and all that we are as a culture, I think it's good that we're doing that.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you know who the winner is?
1: Us. Listeners. The people. There you go. That's true. That's true. You know what? Like with the Uh, Erica Badu, I think she has more of a bigger catalog than than Jill Scott does. What do you guys well, think?
3: I disagree.
1: You disagree I, on that? In terms of hits for hits, if you talk about hits for hits, Oh, both no. artists,
3: yeah, I disagree. But once again, listen, listen, we should probably talk about this next week after the battle. Because right now, we just kind of talking. Let me ask you this, though. How do women celebrate Mother's Day during a pandemic? Are there going to be, like, a lot of Zoom celebrations?
2: Well, I received an invitation to a Zoom brunch today, but I gave that up so that I could spend time with you two, taping, and also our guest, who's a mother, that we'll talk to later. So, that's what I'm doing.
1: Hey, Kay, how does a Zoom brunch go about, like, You can't eat the food there. How does that? How does that work? What's going on with that?
2: (laughs) You bring your own food. You bring your own stuff, and then you get dressed up. And they were having a shoe contest, and then you get in front of the camera. And you all have, you know, a brunch together. But I do something every Saturday morning from ten to eleven. With my sisters, and we build each other up. We talk about finances. We talk about parenting. We talk about all of those different things so that we can build each other up, you know? And I think that kind of goes into what's trending this week, you know? We're talking about unity and getting together a lot. Right, Malik?
3: Oh, my God. Listen, I don't know about you guys, but I know it took over my timeline this week. The incident in Georgia, right, Mm -hmm. And it kind of saddens me to, that we even like dealing with this, especially during the pandemic, we still dealing with this stuff. So why don't you kind of like take the audience through exactly what we're talking about?
2: So let me give a little bit of background and just tell you how horrific this was. Um, so Ahmad Aubrey lives in Georgia, one of my favorite states. But I don't know so much now 25 was jogging through the neighborhood he's an athlete he was a great student um, on February 23rd and he was shot dead by two men Gregory McMichael and his son Travis so since then they've been charged with the murder um, and aggravated assault but that was only after the video footage became viral
1: It's really crazy because this took place in February and now, you know, this information is coming out now and, uh, you know, they, they now have an arrest doesn't lead you know, maybe that will lead to an indictment. That's what we're looking for. Uh, But I think the third party is going to be in question, the person who was actually filming uh, the video, because if you guys take a look at that, you know, particular footage, and I know it's tough to take a look at it. I know Malik, you want to talk about that, but the thing that really, struck me was the person filming that video had no response after he sees the shooting that's kind of sketchy there because obviously you will have a response you will have something going on you know about that so i think this third person might be in question so
3: let me mention this um yeah the third person was part of it right um so that's one this took 74 days before the McMichaels were arrested for this.
2: Mm-hmm. So let's
3: say that. Um, am I shocked by this? No. Um, you guys remember Trayvon Martin?
2: Sure.
3: Yes. You no, know, Michael Brown, yes, Freddie Gray, mm-hmm. the Charleston nine, mm-hmm. um, Sandra Bland. Yes. You know, what about Emmett Till? right? Those names, like, if we go back into history, this is not a new account. You know, he's just in another line. We're probably going to put him on a t-shirt, right? Hashtag him. But this is the country we live in. And we got to, as a community, we got to, you know, recognize that and decide what are we going to do about this? You know, this, to me, is just deeper. Like, I don't want to, like, I haven't seen a video, right? I can't see that video. I can't have that in my conscious, right? But I don't know, this can't be, you know, like business as usual.
2: So I agree with you on two things, Malik. The first is that a lot of times we'll go out and we'll protest. Um, this time we did a march, um, not a march, a walk. It was like a walk run or do some sort of exercise in his honor but where is the real action and so recently an article came out on be the bridge to give some resources as to what to do now that the arrest has happened because many times in a lot of those cases that you mentioned people are arrested but they're never convicted they're never like russ said indicted they do not do jail sentences and it's almost a kind of like look back and or look away and just let them go type of thing such as the zimmerman you know he did all of that got arrested there was a big trial everything happened and he walked off i don't know i'm upset with that
1: yeah and i think here's the troubling thing about this whole thing let's say you know they said he was like running and he was looking some houses let's say if he was burglarizing houses let's say let's say if that was the fact he was burglarizing houses that does not give you the right to take on the job as a police officer to hunt down and kill somebody. It doesn't give you the right. It doesn't give you the right to do that. So that's the disturbing thing about this whole thing. These people taking it in their own hands to become police. And, and you know, just try to right or wrong.
3: See, that's, that, that's the thing that bothers me. Cause like, listen guys, if you look at the pattern when this stuff happens, is always a black victim right and is a white person being very aggressive to that black victim and then what they're going to do is then now because this happens they aren't going to paint this black person as a criminal yeah right and everything that's ever happened to him no they're going to bring it up and say hey he's not he wasn't a good person so why are you guys feeling bad about what happened? He wasn't a good person. And this stuff is baked in to the conscience of the United States. This is nothing new. It's going to happen again, right? I, I mean, once again, I like, I could get deeper in this. It's just going to happen again, right?
2: Well, Kay. I'm going to go on that. Malik, the thing that we have to do is to one, research. You know, the reason why this type of stuff happens and they feel like they can take the role as the police is because of the standard ground laws, you know, but we have to be researched and find out what the hate crime laws are. In Georgia, there is no hate crime laws. So they basically were like, oh, we have nothing to arrest them on. And it wasn't until we started making a stink that something happened. But you also have legislation. If you don't like, you know, what's going on in legislation and the laws, then you can call or you can write your district attorney. So I know that there's an organization out there, change.org, that does a lot as far as petitions and different things like that to help us. So I I believe that there are ways for us to kind of, I wouldn't say fight back, but definitely stand up.
3: Let me ask you this. So I'm going to bring it back a little. When Hillary Clinton was running for president, right, she was at a speak, at a speech, right? And the Black Lives Matter movement, they were protesting her, right? And one of the things that she said, right, that's key, she said, you guys can protest me and get emotional, but the only way you're gonna see real change is with policy. Right? That's the only way change really takes effect. Is what policy, and I don't know. I don't see enough focus on policy, right? I know we talk about you know the upcoming election, if there's a black agenda, you know does do the Democrats take advantage of our vote? All that stuff is probably true. There's merit in all of that, but what are we doing to enact policy, right? to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen again, right? And I know I say this all the time. We got to look at this in like three areas. There's like the county, you no know, rules and regulations. There's the state. and Then there's the federal level. If you're not getting justice on your county level, right, then you take it to the state because the state is the one that arrested that son and you no know, father dole. It wasn't the county. They decided not to prosecute, right? If the state doesn't come through, then it goes to a federal level. Are you guys confident? Like, who's in office right now on the federal level? Like, who's in charge of the Department of Justice? You guys are confident that we're going to get, you know, justice
1: in this? Yeah, not so much because who's in, who's involved with the Department of Justice right now was that um, Burr, right? Yeah, William Burr. Right, so I'm not confident in that. But I think in terms of we have to have the discussion. These discussions lead to indictments, and these indictments lead to policy change that you're talking about, Malik. So it's all about having the discussion on it. You know, I've had a discussion with my mom on this, and we were just talking about, we were listening where the young man's father was on CNN last night, and he was talking about how this is a modern-day lynching. And And it got me talking to my mom. My mom was basically saying, like, you know, back in the days when she grew up, She's seen this in the South. You know, that was just like a modern-day lynching that you saw. Like, it was a pickup truck. It was a gun. The only thing that was missing was a noose. So that's the stories my mom is telling me about it. So discussion is going to lead to indictment of these individuals, leading to this third individual is going to be indicted. So you have to have the full indictment. All of that will lead to the policy change that you're talking about. But it all starts from that discussion. But to answer your question, though, Malik, I don't have the – You know, the confidence in Burr to make these changes because we're seeing what he's doing with this other guy, Flynn, who he just released. So it's all about having a discussion. though. That's the most important. That's the first thing that we have to do in in the conversation.
3: I'll be honest with you. I'm disgusted. I'm like, we've had these discussions, right? That has happened. Like, what's the next step? Yeah, okay.
2: I think that it goes back to what you said before, Black Lives Matter, right? And so I was reading a book called Black in America by Hannah Branch. She is actually the new Dean of Diversity at Rutgers University, so I had a chance to meet her. But it goes back to the value of life that we place from back in the day through eugenics, medicine, and just devaluing the Black life in general, from the point of eugenics they were breeding like in the slave times they were breeding certain slaves together so they would make stronger slaves or whatever have you to the Tuskegee experiment where it was like okay just give them syphilis and let them die type of thing and so I think it goes back to yeah we've had these discussions but in this country black lives are not valued the same way that other cultures and races lives are valued what do we do about that
1: well what's what's the alternative though i mean are we going to do like black panther movement and just like you know just we strap, we ready to roll i mean what's the alternative so again like for me dialogue has to start with dialogue have to have a conversation but
3: Yeah, so let me mention this, right? Um, The next step is for us to get organized, utilize our power, know that we have power, right? And how to utilize that power, right? And let's start pressuring um, our elected officials to enact policy. You know, there should be a federal law in place that for any hate crime, there's a federal task force that steps in, right? And then investigate this. And once again, think about this. This is nothing new, right? You start looking back after slavery, Jim Crow, like all the stuff that happened, like Reconstruction, and then after Reconstruction, and Jim Crow, Jim Crow laws. This is not new, right? The only thing that is new is that now it's being recorded, right? And we're putting a face on it. We're seeing it. Right? During your mother's day, it was happening, but no one recorded it, right? You only had like oral history, right? Now we're actually recording this stuff, but once again, going back to you know Trayvon Martin, what happened to the guy who killed Trayvon Martin? Yeah. So what makes you think something's gonna happen now, right? James Baldwin has this famous quote, right? And it said, to be black in this country and be relatively conscious is to be enraged almost all the time i'm enraged like i can't watch this stuff i can't listen to this stuff and then hear people talk about whether we should vote or not maybe we should hold our vote it's like this is like this gets you to a point where you're like yo what are we doing what does it
1: take yeah, but Malik, you know where? Where do you? I mean, I know you're enraged, and hey, I'm a black man too. I'm enraged too. But like, where do you channel that rage? That's gonna be key. Like, where do you channel that rage to? You know, that outburst that you might be having. That's key. You are gonna say? Um, oh,
2: so, yeah. On what you're saying, Russ, um, you can channel the rage. I agree with you, Malik. In certain context, yeah, we do need to get educated, and I want you to give them the name of the book. Um, that they can start with reading so that they can understand that. But two, I don't agree that it's always legislation. I know that Black Wall Street, we were able to unify. We were able to build. We were able to invest in ourselves. And so I believe that we channel that energy by investing in ourselves, by investing in our communities, by investing so that we are not so far behind the wealth gap, the power gap, the knowledge gaps that that exists
3: now now listen I I totally agree with that here's what I think right I think first you have to look inward and say okay am I taking care of what my responsibilities first as an individual right then as a community immediate family community right am I financially set can I actually start investing money like donating money to some of these causes right who do we have like for instance right the teachers union right they have a whole lobbying arm in washington they pay lobbyists to make sure that if any laws are being passed right they're not forgetting about the teachers right do we have anyone in washington that can lobby for our interest right and that takes money that takes organization right so i think that's one of the things that you do Right. But once again, there's a book. I know, Kay, you promote it like your book, but there's a book called Stamped from the Beginning. And it basically talks about before slavery, right? How racism is baked into this country. Racism and capitalism go hand in hand. All right. So you can't get rid of racism without addressing capitalism because everything in this country is made up on money and money controls everything, right? So we have to have certain people in place to make sure that we know like we're generating income. And think about this. Do you think it's really by design that the biggest consumers in this country is us black people? The black, the people who are on the front line in the service industries, who are they? People who are affected by a coronavirus right now, who are they? They're us. That's by design. So, yeah, let's get some financial freedom, right? Let's start looking at ways that we can kind of not be so much consumers, but also savers and also investors. I think that's important. I think that's a start.
2: And that leads us to the article that I was talking about Be the Bridge. The last thing was support. And they said, Be present with your. support trusted organizations with your presence and your money. But in order for you to support others with your money, you have to be able to support yourself. Like you said, your immediate family and start building that wealth. And our guest is going to come in and teach us how to do that, how to strategize so that we can organize and we can become better as individuals and communities.
1: With that being said, we'll be right back with our guests
2: welcome back to the russ and kayla nice experience today <laughs> have a special guest. it is our mother 's Day episode. She is not only a mother, but Carrie Washington Baugh has been an insurance agent, an executive counsel agent at New York life for three years. She brings knowledge, balance, planning, finance preparation, and all of the good stuff to her clients. But before she got into financial planning, she was in the athletic industry for 6 years, also played intercollegiate and collegiate settings as a college basketball player and I know she was previously a soccer player and she just been she's been cultivating relationships forever. So we're happy to have her on here and give her expert view. Welcome, Carrie Washington. Bye. Oh my. God. Thank you. <laughs>
0: So happy to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm, I'm so excited for this today.
1: Uh no problem, Carrie. It's a pleasure having you. So, Carrie, okay, let's get in, let's get straight into it. You know, uh the name of our the topic of our show today is financial freedom. So, what exactly is financial freedom?
0: Well, I you know, I believe that financial freedom is basically the ability to be above water, right? And so a lot of times I know people feel like they're drowning and they're trying to make ends meet. And it's like, Hey, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, for me, it doesn't necessarily mean, Hey, I can go buy a Maserati or a a beach house or, you know, um, an Island, but you know, am I paying my bills? Do I have enough to save in, you know, whatever accounts that I have and kind of allowing yourself to get to that next paycheck without, overdraft fees hitting and you know your account falling into a a place where you you just don't have it so um for me financial freedom just basically means the ability to look above water to kind of float it's like floating on a pool right you're not like trying to grasp for air so just making sure that you're you're not paycheck to paycheck but understanding that um you want to get to that next paycheck and not have your account be negative
1: (laughs) There you go. That's the goal, right? (laughs) No negative balances.
0: No negative balances.
1: No (laughs) Mm overdrafts.
2: So you talked a lot about staying above water and like drowning. A lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. So for them, how would they begin One to make that transition to kind of go above water?
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that like, obviously having somebody in place that can kind of help you to budget i think that if you have to know yourself right so if you're one of those people that maybe is a little bit of a procrastinator and you feel as though hey i want to do this it's been on the to-do list to kind of budget and tack down on all the, the things that i need to kind of itemize it may be great to get somebody in place to help you with that but you know in the long and short of it 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 is sitting down in front of an Excel sheet or writing out your bills and really kind of going through what you have and now you're trying to plan ahead. So I always tell my clients, you know, when you get that paycheck, you need to know what's designated for bills. You, you pay your bills first, you save an amount that's reasonable. It may be $10 a month. You just have to save something to get into the habit. And then whatever's left over, hey, you wanna get your hair done, your nails done, that's good, but you gotta make sure that you do it in that order that'll allow you to kind of be disciplined when it comes to that.
3: That sounds great. So I got a question, Carrie. Let's say I hire you. You are now my financial advisor, right? Sure. Think us through the process. What exactly would you bring to the table? I'm your new client. We're meeting for the first time. What are some of the steps that you and I will go through to get me to financial freedom or kind of see a clearer financial picture?
0: Sure. I mean, that's a great question. I think that, you know, it's so important to recognize and have an advisor. And this is what I I really pride myself on, have an advisor that recognizes that everybody's scenario is different. Okay. And so we may have a conversation and, you know, it's not a one size fits all strategy. So financial, your financial picture is a continuing spectrum of events that occurs, right? People have different things that happen. I have you know, clients that they're just getting married or they're having their first children or they're buying a home. And so you need to be able to address all of those areas. So, you know, when I sit in front of a client, you know, if you're my client, then it's, hey, let's walk through what your portfolio and picture looks like now and see where I can fill in the gaps and you know just really talking through hey are you budgeting okay if you're not let's go through your budget let's make sure that we can repurpose money you may have it that you're paying two hundred dollars for your cable bill or your phone bill and you're like wait a minute i don't need to be doing this can i switch carriers you know can we make some adjustments that was (laughs) kiki yeah (laughs) um yeah it's a living example as as as, uh kiki is one of my clients but you know, can we make adjustments where necessary to get you to a point where now you have a little bit more money back in your pocket? Um, And then once we make those adjustments, okay, what type of planning can we do?
1: So Carrie, you know, we know that you're a financial advisor. So like, what are some of the goals that you set up for your clients, uh, for your goods and services?
0: Well, you know, the main goals are to get them to understand what what's important to them so once we assess that um you know kind of honing down and i work in in four areas one of those the first being protection and okay how can we protect your assets whatever those are is it your home you know do you have children is it your income um and then our goals are to say what are the values of of those assets and you know you can't really value your children right but you want to be sure that if you want to send them to college or anything like that what what are the goals that you have for them if you just want them to have something for retirement? Is it legacy planning? So honing in on what the value of those assets are and making sure you have an adequate amount of, whether it's life insurance. Um, obviously, we do health insurance as well. Uh, most people have that through their jobs. But you want to make sure, again, that those assets are protected, and we kind of cover that. And then the second piece would be the retirement portion. I do a lot of retirement planning for people. So whether it's, you know... Uh, 401k or a Roth or whatever you have going on, even if it's through your job, it's nice to have supplemental assets on the outside that are that are through another company. That hey, listen, if you're not with this job any longer, what are you able to you know have on the outside that can move with you? So mm-hmm. retirement planning. The third is um, accumulation. So you want to make sure obviously that whatever you're saving in and you're growing is accumulated. So we do that in a, in a an array of different things obviously it's you know investments and things like that so what are you doing to accumulate money and then finally again your legacy which kind of circles back to the protection it's what are you leaving behind whether it's to an organization a church or your children so and again that ties to the life insurance but you
3: mentioned life insurance um i understand that two types of life insurance there's like coal yeah. in there's term can you kind of break that down for us and let us know what the difference is And is one more important than the other?
0: That is such a great question. So first of all, yes, there are two different types of life insurance. One is term, which is kind of the way that it sounds, temporary. I I tell people it's sort of like renting um, an apartment. And the other one is permanent. And permanent consists of a variety of whole life products. Um, So the misnomer of life insurance is that you only get a benefit when you pass away there are living benefits to life insurance. And that's where you'll find that benefit in the permanent whole life product. Um, The term is really awesome because it's a lot less expensive and you can get a lot more of it. So, you know, if you wanna have assets that go to your children or this or that, you will have a lot more in the way of life insurance. However, it's a lot cheaper. And when the term is over, you don't have it any longer. So some people will have term for 20 or 30 years. Well, if you outlive that, Going to get life insurance at 65 is a bear. So, you know, you want to make sure that you have something that's in place longer, and that's where the whole life kicks in. One is not better than the other. They complement each other. And as I said, everybody's situation is different. Um, But with the whole life, I found that as someone who has whole life, myself as well as my husband, and we have a product for my son, that there is a, we're we're a mutual company at New York Life. So we're able to build a dividend in your policy. So you actually have an ownership stake with the company that builds a dividend. We pay you a dividend. And as that dividend grows, you're able to use that. And that's a tax-free asset. It's really cool that people don't know. So a lot of people that are business owners that I have or want to supplement their retirement benefits from their jobs, they will set up these, cash value of life insurance policies. The government views it as a life insurance policy, obviously, and they will utilize that dividend that grows within the policy. And they'll have that as a supplemental income. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm glad you say that. So I know the term life insurance, when my grandfather was older, he got a policy and they were charging him like $600 a month because of his age. Sure. And so turned around, canceled that policy, and then we got a term life insurance policy actually with New York Life um, before you started. But (laughs) he was able to get it for like $99 a month. So I think that that's really good. But the whole life, can you go into the dividend part? Because I don't know if our audience understands what that means and the benefit to the whole life policy by having that dividend. Like most companies don't offer that
0: yep absolutely that's that's such a great point and obviously i'll touch on the term really quickly you know it is important to have some term because again the legacy piece right gofundmes are no fun we don't want to do those so it's nice to be able to leave something behind to family members or or anybody at a burial expense now with the whole life and the dividend and, and again akisha that's a great question mutual companies are able to provide a dividend to their clients which basically means you, it's almost like putting money into a bank. And the bank is gonna grow at 0.01%. It's gonna be very, very minor in regards to the interest. At New York Life, we're able to offer interest that grows at four to six and a quarter percent. So what that means is there are three variables to a whole life policy. So you've got the premium, which is what you're paying monthly, okay? So let's just say you're paying $100 a month. That's your premium that you're paying. The second variable is the death benefit, right? So God forbid something were to happen to you, you have that death benefit that's left behind to your beneficiaries. So let's just say that's $100,000. So you're paying $100 a month for a $100,000 policy. That third variable is the cash value. That's that dividend that builds in the policy. That's that savings feature. And so as you're paying your premium every month, and your policy continues, that cash value is growing. So you may start with zero the first year, but you may get to age 50, you know, and you may have after 20, 30 years of of putting into a cash value life insurance policy, you may have $150,000 in cash value that you can access. The other great thing is that the death benefit, New York Life as a mutual company, the death, our death benefit grows as well, so that a hundred thousand that you're starting with in year one is also increasing.
3: I want to slow that down because I don't want that to go over people's head. What you just said, sure. So I understand that some communities actually take out whole life insurance policies on their kids, right? And they have multiple people doing that. So when those kids turn like 18 and they want to go to college, they can actually take from their cash value and use that money for college. They can use it for weddings, to purchase homes, right? So let's just go over that again. Like whole life insurance, there's a cash value that grows in compound interest. Let's talk about that as well and let people know that you can access that.
0: Absolutely, Malik. And that is such a great point. You know, I actually have a, a whole life policy for my son. It is, you know, and again, people think, why would you do a life insurance policy on the child, right? And I did this when he was like, you know, four months old. Um, however, my husband and I, the the goal is that when he wants to go to college, now we're going to hope that he's 6'11 and he's the next Kevin Durant or LeBron James. <laughs> but um, if he is not for any reason, <laughs> right? That's the case. That <laughs> he's able to go to college and we can actually tap into that life insurance policy that we've set up for him and we can access those funds for college tax free so yes people will set up these vehicles for you know obviously college maybe they just want to help fund their children's retirement maybe they just say hey listen i want to this is the legacy piece i'm going to put a whole life policy in place for my two-year-old and i'm going to have a stipulation that you know, when they turn 60, they're able to access that dividend as income, which is huge. It's huge. It's so powerful. So yeah, you're looking at it like, well, I'm paying $100 a month versus the $10 that I may be paying for the term. But in terms of investing, stretching your dollar, you know, checking off multiple boxes, it just, the whole life policy just does a lot more for you. Um, Again, it's just like owning a home, right? There's equity in it. Versus when you're renting, you leave that, that apartment, you don't get anything back. You're not getting a cent back. But the whole life is a long-term investment that allows you to be able to put something in place, yes, for your children, for yourself, for retirement. And again, being able to access that dividend with it being tax-free is humongous. A lot of companies do not have that as a resource. Um, you know, And obviously, I won't name names, but there are companies that only have term right? And that means there are only the death benefits. There are no living benefits. So you want to have something in place that's permanent. You don't want to try to get in life insurance at, you know, 65, 66 years old. It's going to be extremely expensive. Your health is going to be different. Um, so starting younger and letting that dividend grow is huge.
1: Mm. Hey, so Carrie, do you find your clients coming to you more like for, on a life insurance side, life policies or like for um, Roth IRAs? where do you, where do you find a balance? Like, you know, with your the clients coming to you?
0: Yeah, that's Russ, that's such a great question. So I actually really pride myself on being like the life insurance lady that is like my baby. Um, and you know, I've found that a lot of my success coming comes from, excuse me, getting people to understand the importance of it being a vehicle that they can utilize long-term. Um, and, again, my, my specific specialty and everybody's different. Listen, there's thousands of life insurance companies out there. There's a lot of people that do this, you know, but again, you want to be with somebody that's not going to walk into your home and say, Hey, you need to pay $200 a month for $50,000 in coverage. And you're like, wait, what, why, what am I getting? I want to educate and engage. So Mm -hmm. for me, life insurance has been something I've really developed my niche around. Um, I think investments are important, obviously in diversifying your portfolio. However, I've found that my clients, you know, they really, they'll give me names of people and they're just like, they, they need to understand life insurance. Can you help to educate them? And so, you know, again, when I walk into your home, I'm looking at your budget, I'm looking at your disposable income, I'm looking at, you know, what are future things that you may have to a- accommodate and pay for. And okay, let's make sure that it makes sense in your budget today that'll plan for long term for tomorrow, right? So we're not just planning for the next year or two. We're putting something in place that's going to be long-term that we can also, you know, work with mm, Okay. So life insurance is my baby.
1: <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> the life insurance lady, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> I'll testify. Carrie came in um, and we'll talk a, a little bit more about our relationship later, but she came in and she was like, what's your life insurance looking like? And I'm like, um, you know, I did have another company. I did um, similar to Kerry, I did have policies on my children and different things like that, but I wasn't really experienced in the diversifying my portfolio, kind of investing in stocks and, and making sure that I built my retirement. So can you talk a little bit more about diversifying your portfolio? Okay, I have the life insurance now, you set a budget for me, and now I want to invest. What are my options?
0: Yeah, so I think that um, you know, it's important to also note, and, and this is something that's so huge, is that the the dividend that we pay clients, that's in the market as well. Okay. So it's not directly in the market, but it's 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 investment that the company is able to pay back, but we're able to generate that from, you know, our market value. So, you know, when you talk about diversifying your portfolio, a lot of people will say to me on the initial conversation hey, I've got stuff through my job. I've got a 401k. I've k. I've I've got my life insurance. You know, I'm good. And, you know, I'll say to them again, as I said before, what happens if you're no longer with this job? What happens when you leave? These assets don't follow you. So, you know, you want to make sure that, yes, you want to have some term insurance in your portfolio. You want to have some whole life in your portfolio. You want, you, it's good to have stocks that you're aggressive with. Obviously, depending upon where you are, and what phase of life you're in, right? If you're in an earlier phase you're just starting out, you can be a little bit more aggressive with some of the things that you have as stocks and investments. So, you know, in a 401k, maybe you want to, um, and, I'll, and I'll talk about, I'll touch on that in a second, but, you know, you're aggressively contributing and your, your employer is matching. And so, you know, you wanna contribute the full, to a 401k, if they're going to match up to 6%, you want to contribute whatever that is dollar wise within your um, paycheck, excuse me. So, you know, I'll have people that have 401ks, obviously 403bs and those kind of differ based on your job. So, you know, if you have a 403b or a 457, you're more than likely working through the state. Um, you know, 401k is more like for people that work with with companies. So you know, you want to have those investments as well. Um, And then again, people do like egg corns, they do their own little things. I think it's always good to have something like that on the side, because it kind of taps into your knowledge. And it lets you have an idea of what's going on in the world. And it keeps you in tune with where your money is going. So, you know, and then obviously, there's the traditional savings route, um, you know, through banks and everything like that. But Um, one of the biggest things I have to mention is, is real estate investing. That's a huge thing now. And a lot of people are investing in real estate and that is something that is definitely, if you can do so, you want to, you want to be able to, to have a stake in that as well.
3: So let me ask you this right now during this pandemic, what kind of phone calls are you getting from your clients? What's the level of anxiety out here?
0: They're wondering when this is going to be over. And I'm like, listen, I'm good at what I do, but I cannot predict that. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, but, um, you know, honestly, I've, I've had so many phone calls from people that just realize that they need life insurance because I've had a lot of clients that have been laid off. And so, you know, what's happening is they're realizing again, and I keep, I keep, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it's so important to understand, Pandemics don't always happen, but when they hit, they affect so much. And, you know, I've had people that have realized that, yeah, you may lose your job and you may lose that income temporarily, but God forbid you lose your life, you will never contribute to your family again. And that is so powerful to understand that you don't want to risk a lot to save a little. And so I have people that are understanding that I've got family members that are passing away and you know, not me specifically, thank God, but I have clients that are coming to me saying This is impacting people. I need to get something in place, you know, whether they've lost their job, you know, I have a good amount of clients that are obviously still working. And so they're like, okay, let me put Some assets to a safer vehicle. So What that means is right now the market is not doing so well, as we all know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I know we'll, we'll get into the weeds of that a little bit, but you know, a lot of people want to have a safer asset. And so they're diversifying in that regard where they're saying, okay, I'm not going to pull out of the market completely because you don't want to do that, right? You want to stay in the market right now. You want to, it's a good time to buy because the interest rates are down. However, they're saying, okay, I'm realizing now I'm not as diversified as I thought I was and I'm relying on an asset that is really volatile so if i'm in the market right now heavily saturated and most of my assets are in the market okay well i may have had a loss i took a loss on my roth ira you know so um being able to understand okay maybe i need a safer asset and now my clients are starting to see that even more because it's it's we plan for the unplannable that's what i believe we do at new york life and this is a very a a situation that speaks to that right no one can understand the magnitude of that so i am getting calls about hey i have a sister brother aunt uncle they need some turn they need this so people are realizing like you know these things happen inspired
2: you to get into the financial field it seems like you know a lot about what you do
0: oh my goodness well thank you you know i think that you know and i won't say quote unquote know a lot but i just know what i do and don't know and i think that that's so 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 important it's like i am the first one to say if i'm in a meeting with a client hey, listen, if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'm going to get the answer for you. And a lot of people will kind of, I'm not gonna say deceive, but they don't admit to what they don't know. And, you know, that's the first step. But I think for me, the inspiration, and I didn't get into the weeds of my background too much, but, um, you know, I was from the athletics world, you know, And, and Kiki, you brought this up obviously previously, and that was my world college athletics, played soccer and basketball, ran track in high school. Um, If you, if I read the resumes of my family, you're going to, you guys are going to be like, wow, they're, they're walking like athletes. We're walking sports players. But um, you know, for me, my husband actually, he he played college basketball at Drexel and then played professionally overseas. And my inspiration was when my son came along, it was so important for me to do something that I felt was impacting people on a larger scale as an athletic director previously as a coach I do that all the time I feel like I'm I'm mentoring I have a passion for that and I think that a lot of times people think that their passion has to be limited to like oh I like fishing or oh I like you know whatever so I have to make a career out of that it could actually be a quality and a trait that you find in yourself that you want to blow up on a larger scale so I was finding that you know, I'm an, I, I had, a, I was an athletic director previously, and it's like, I'm sitting with kids and high school kids, and I'm coaching younger kids and the youth. And I felt like I was doing a really good job as a role model. And this is obviously the feedback that I was getting. And I, I pride myself on it. That. That's important to me. So when my son came along, I was like, okay, wait a minute, I cannot work from eight in the morning until nine ten o'clock at night, I want to be a mom first, you know, and so how can I marry both of those, Feelings and passions together and New York Life actually recruited me and I was like life insurance. No, thank you No, like I'm not gonna be one of those door-to-door people and just in learning So much of the the benefits the many benefits even the differences between term and whole life Right in learning these things. I'm like wow. I have to educate people. I people don't know this stuff and so my passion then grew into helping people financially, because, you know, I don't think that I'm superwoman or anything, but if I can help a few people, they can help a few people. And how can we carry that on? So my, my passion's really my son, you know, my, my husband, my family, I'm a family person. I'm a God is, is obviously the number one passion. I think that goes without saying, but you know, how, and I felt like he kind of called me into this career and I'm just like, Every day is not perfect, and I think we all know that about our jobs. But I genuinely love what I do and, you know, wake up every morning and have my prayer. At the end of the day, I end my day with prayer, and there's a lot in between. But <laughs> I, I feel as though I have been able to really impact families, and that's so important to me. Mm. So.
2: so we're going to take a break. Um, for the audience, Carrie and I have a longstanding relationship, so she calls me Kiki because the K <laughs> stands for kiki and we're going to get into that backstory whenever we come back for break stick around
1: welcome back to the russ and kaylanese experience kiki you had a question for our (laughs) (laughs) guests
2: (laughs) Oh, you think you're really funny, Russ. (laughs) Carrie, I'm really interested because you talked about different things, being a mentor and being a role model before you became a financial advisor. So can you just touch on some of the things that you did, some of the positions you held before you became a financial advisor?
0: Yeah. So I've been, so I don't have any like big brother, big sister type of um, experiences directly, but again, back to my passion, I found that through my coaching, you know, so I've been a professional soccer trainer. Um, I have also been, you know, I've coached at the high school levels. I've coached at the collegiate level and I've also obviously worked on the administrative side. I have an MBA in athletic administration. So I actually have worked. Um, I, was, I was an athletic director at Notre Dame for several years for a number of years And then I went on to be a, um, excuse me, a director, the director of development at American University in Washington, D.C. So I directly worked with donors, alumni relations, I spearheaded, so any like major event, Hall of Fame, I I was in charge of all that for the athletic department. So that was a really great experience for me because as much as I love being hands-on and coordinating things, I I lost that direct impact with the student-athlete. That's what I was getting as a coach and as a trainer. I was, I was able to have those conversations and I felt like that, you know, the mental health check-in piece was so important. You know, I would have kids, unfortunately, when I was at Notre Dame, there was, there was a kid that, that took his own life. That was a major thing. And to have kids be able to come to me and I still have relationships with those kids to this day. They check in on me, I check in on them, you know, but that's what I was missing when I was an administrator in DC. And as much as I loved working in development and helping to raise money for a cause. And I knew that that was important, that people, donors are are extremely important, right? I wanted to get back into that. So, you know, I've just found through my coaching and my administrative experiences, I've been able to help impact lives. You know, I'll I'll tell this story and I have several of these, but, I had one specific student athlete, you know, she came from a a, a rougher area in uh, Mercer County. Um, And, you know, she had both parents were in in jail, had been raised by her aunt. You know, she was fortunate enough to be at Notre Dame. And when I met her, she was a sophomore in high school and she was just in and out of, you know, detention and suspense. She was always in trouble. Um, And so I really encouraged her. We, We developed a bond and she would come into my office. She would talk with me and, I really broke down a lot of the layers as to what was going on and it was, you know, abandonment issues and no I'm I'm no psychologist and you know but I I don't think you need to be to connect with people sometimes. Um and so we ended up connecting on a large scale and she ended up starting to run track and I said, "Listen, channel everything through track. Let this be an outlet for you." Well, she earned a scholarship to Temple her senior year and and, and to this day tells me she never thought she could even go to college. Without, you know, having that relationship with me and without, you know, being able to talk to me about things and that those are the stories that that wake me up in the morning and say, okay, God, I see what you got for me, you know, so um, that, that, that impact is, is large and those stories will stick with me for the rest of my life.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. Hey, so Carrie, you you mentioned Notre Dame, was that Notre Dame high school or Notre Dame University that you were the AD?
0: I wish Notre Dame University. I don't know if I'd be sitting here right now. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I'm joking. joking. No, Notre Dame High School in Lawrenceville, New Jersey.
1: Notre Dame High School, okay. So you have, like, you have that athletic background. So did you you play, what college did you go to, first of all?
0: I went to the College of New Jersey, TCNJ, which is Trenton State, to my parents, because they also went there and met there. So it's Trenton State in our house.
1: Did you did you play? You mentioned you played basketball there. You played. I
0: did. I played. So I for, I actually went Division One first. I earned I earned five different Division One uh, scholarships to various schools: St. Peter's, Sacred Heart, NJIT, okay. um, St. Francis, and Jer- uh, um, St. Peter's. All okay. these saints, I know. Uh, <laughs> so I earned scholarships. I decided to go to NJIT. Fun fact: with my twin sister, who played, who earned a scholarship to play soccer there. So we actually went to school our freshman year there, and I ended up transferring my sophomore year to the College of New Jersey, and like acronyms, I guess, um, and finished my career there at the Division III level. My sophomore year that I transferred in, we actually went to the Final Four. We were the first team in the history of the school. And, and since then, that not only won our conference, but went to the Final Four as well, oh. which was very special.
1: Wow. So you mentioned N-J-I- NJIT. Um, was Lenny Kaplan the athletic director
0: there? Yes, he was.
1: Okay. Funny story about Lenny Kaplan. I played at Manhattan College. He was the associate AD at Manhattan College at that time. Then he moved over wow. to NJIT. So,
0: yeah.
1: Yes. What? Well, like Six
0: degrees of separation is so real.
1: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this is so true. This is true, true.
2: So, Carrie, you talked about
0: you went to school with your
2: twin sister. Did you yep. come from a large family?
0: Yeah. So we, so there's four, I I have three siblings. There's four of us. So my twin sister and I are, are, um, we're both 30. And then I have a younger sister who's 27. So my younger sister, she actually went to LaSalle and she played soccer there. She was a three time all American. Um, she's one of the most, she has one of the most decorated careers in the history of the school play professional soccer, you know, so she's 27. Then my brother is 21 and he, he went to Princeton day school. Um, and then he, uh, he decided college was not for him, which was good for my parents' pockets. Um, you know, but you know, he, again, and that speaks to everybody's different, right? So my sisters and I, we all have masters. My, my twin is working on her doctorate. So there's four of us. And then obviously my husband, I I told you that he played at Drexel and overseas. So not too large of a family. Like my parents had like eight, nine, 16 siblings, you know, we're, we're four, but (laughs) close enough. We're all very close. So. Mm -hmm.
3: So Carrie, where are you originally from?
0: So I'm from Ewing, New Jersey, born and raised. Okay. On the playground is where I spent most of my days.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So why New York life though? Why, why did you choose New York life?
0: New York life. So, so (laughs) when New York life approached me about, as I mentioned, life insurance, I wanted to run um, because there's so many negative stigmas, but I don't think I've ever prayed in my life so much as as that. And I only say that, and, and listen, I, I said morning, night, in between, it's, you know, but the point is that it was a career switch for me. It was new. I didn't even know how to spell life insurance. I'm like, what? you know, I was very, very afraid to kind of jump into this. And it was You know, I had a really good conversation with my mom, actually, and she's like, you know, you and your siblings, whenever you guys do something, there's a lot of success around it. Like when you go to schools, you know, your teams that you've been on, like you, you will have a positive experience if you take God with you. And, you know, my husband and I felt like it was just such a good decision. And being able to have success is obviously one thing, but sitting across from a person and knowing that I protected their children, like that is huge. And so you know, New York life has been around for over 175 years. That was a big draw for me because that says stability, right? And you have a lot of times institutions that, you know, I, I had I had Wachovia at one point. They became Wells Fargo. Well, there are a lot of those fine print things change when companies move. And people don't know that, um, you know, when companies are bought out, you may still be a client, but their existing, you know, shareholders or the people that are the new, you um, whether it's council members or managers, they have a different perspective that may change the plans that you've had. So I wanted to go with a company and I actually had another company. Uh, I was, it was between Northwestern and New York life and Northwestern is, is a great company as well. Um, you know, but I felt like New York life does so much and, and this is not against Northwestern, but I felt like New York life does so much in the way of diversity. I mean, I'm part of the African-American marketing unit. Um, we're doing the $50 billion empowerment, program where we want to put $50 billion of transferable wealth back into the African-American community. So I saw there's a, an Asian market and there's an, um, you know, there's a a Latin, a Latino market. And I love that. I'm like, you know, so that was a big thing for me as well. Um, And so then the other thing is that, you know, through different, different economical struggles through 2008, New York Life has never been bought out. We've never had to accept anything. We have, you know, about 63 billion dollars in surplus, and that's public knowledge, right? You can look. We have that in surplus, so that tells me again. When I make plans with a client, I know those plans are going to be in place 20, 30 years from now, and I feel comfortable being with a, a a company that's going to back me. They may be working directly with me, but I'm, I'm backed by a company, I'm backed by a team, and you know, I have on my team, we have an estate, we have several estate planner uh, planners that are lawyers, right? And so that's huge, right? So we try to really address all of the needs that a client has. It's We try to be the Amazon of like financial planning, which is so huge. Um, so yeah, I can say that, my husband works for Amazon. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> Go
2: ahead. <laughs> so that's funny. You mentioned the stability enabled you to take that leap of faith and kind of go in there. If I'm coming to you, you also said that there are a lot of other companies that are offering life insurance. What would you say is that one thing that makes New York Life different than other companies?
0: We have the highest AAA rating in the industry. So, you know, companies are rated and That, I mean, again, that may sound like fluff, but like, first of all, who doesn't want A's? Like when we were in school, everybody wanted A's, right? So that's all we have to know is that A's are important and they're big and it's a major thing. But um, no, I say that facetiously to say, you know, again, there are a lot of companies out there. You want to be, if it's not New York Life, and again, you want to be with an advisor specifically that is going to... Be on call. My clients call me Saturday, Sunday. They tell me Happy Mother's Day. They'll tell me Happy Holidays. I have relationships with them. You want a client that's gonna, or excuse me, an agent that's going to cultivate that relationship and not again come in and say, Hey, you're gonna see me once every three years and you know. But we have the highest AAA rating in the industry, and so that has allowed us to be to have a lot of stability. Um, and so that means that anybody that has rated any insurance companies has said New York Life you are a top company in the industry. We have actually the top whole life product in the entire industry of life insurance. So yes, I always address the pink elephant and I tell people, yeah, you may go get terms somewhere else that you may find it for $20 and we're rating you at 25. But again, that stability is huge. Do not risk a lot to save a little right? So that again, that that is what really sets us apart. I, I, I use the car analogy, which is probably cheesy, but I, my goal is to get a Porsche one day. So I always use that as an analogy. So I'm like, right now I have a Chevy and I love my Chevy. She, we have two Chevys actually, my husband and I love Chevy, but I'm like, okay, when I get a Porsche one day, I understand the dollar amount's going to be more, but I'm going to get what I'm paying for. And that's what I like to say about New York life. So
3: now, when you decided, when you came home and, you know, you were like, hey, I'm thinking about transitioning from this career into, you know, life insurance or financial planning, what was that conversation like between your husband and you?
0: My husband has so much confidence in the things that I do. I mean, I think it's like, he know, I'm a, I'm a very, as you guys can probably tell, I'm an extrovert to the extreme. Like, there's nothing in me that's an introvert. And so... You know i could i I joke with people i could probably talk to a tree if you put it in front of me because i just love (laughs) just having conversations and people picking people's brains and stuff so you know he knew hey he was like you have a gift you know you have a gift of impacting people and why not let it be in the area of finance right and so again we, we actually prayed together on it very heavily you know as we always do with with issues that we need answers for and it was just it kept coming back to me. Right. And so, you know, the the crazy thing about this industry is that it can be like a roller coaster at times because if you're not Really speaking to people in the way that you, you know, hope to or you're not impacting people the way that you hope to and people are not as receptive. It can be a little bit of a roller coaster. I mean, it's it's commission based, you know, and so, um, that is another factor as to what was kind of a little bit of a, not a con in our eyes, but my husband said, you're gonna do great. You're gonna do, you're gonna do phenomenally. And he's been with me on that journey. And I, again, every day has not been great. And I, I preach that to a lot of agents when we have our internal meetings. And I'm like, you have to understand that every day is not gonna be roses and oh, the, this client wants this major policy. You are gonna sometimes drive two hours and walk out with absolutely nothing but did you I'm educate? Sure did you have an actual impact on the person that you sat across? And so my husband and I really went into depth about how it's going to be better for me to be a mother, how I'll be able to be more flexible. And so that was important to us. We, we aligned our priorities and we saw how New York life fit into that. Um, he works overnight. So it, it really did work out with just me being able to have flexibility during the day. You know, we've had babysitters and kiki's daughter is one of our babysitters ironically um so you know we've been able to make it work but it's just it, it took really deep conversations about can this be something that i thrive in and, and again it it worked out
3: yeah
0: worked out. so what's one of the biggest challenges
3: that you face I,
0: the the biggest challenge you know what i, I it's funny because i'm so competitive the athlete in me doesn't even consider them challenges i'm like oh you 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 don't want life insurance because you think it's you know a scam okay let me show you how it's not you know like the, the athlete in me rises kind of but you know i found that in specific cultural markets people have a lot of different beliefs and so kind of breaking down those barriers you know i speak to i've partnered with a lot of churches um i do a lot of seminars in churches i do a lot of workshops in churches and you know many areas from Philadelphia and, you know, to obviously New Jersey and North Jersey. I work a lot in, um, in that environment. And I have found that a lot of people just are not educated on the little nuggets that, you know, maybe other cultural markets are educated on. And, you know, um, and that, and that's to say it's interchangeable, right? So like some people have thoughts and, and, and conceptions about things. I've worked in Newtown a lot. I did a lot of, I partnered with the NAC, Newtown Athletic Club, which is, you know, it's an area where a lot of people, you know, they have it already. They've got that planning done. And so educating people to let them know you don't know what you don't know. People will read something and they think, oh, okay, so I know everything. Okay, well, sometimes it takes further research. And so being able to get people to understand that there are way, more advancements with life insurance. It's not how it used to be, you know, 30, 40 years ago, where, you know, you've got these companies that are just basically saying, hey, hand me $20 and your your policy may be there. There's stability in, in things. So um, just getting people to just changing the culture of people's minds. Mm-hmm.
2: I want to jump in there on that, Carrie, because you said something really interesting, the cultural aspect. And as African Americans, we have had a lot of oppression and kind of redlining over the years and the inability to invest and do things like that. And so how do you approach that and what can we do as a community to build ourselves up financially?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's great. And I, I mean, I am so moved. This is why I do a lot of partnering with churches by directly impacting our um You know, our culture specifically, like I said, I'm part of the AEMU. I just actually spoke on a national conference call with them and I was a guest speaker for that and I I was on a panel, um, a Zoom panel because none of us are in person now. Uh, However, you know, I I think that it's just so key to grasp the concept that you're, for me, I know the word no is going to come. I know that I'm going to sit in front of people that are just not going to really buy into what I, what it is I'm trying to do for them. But I found that specifically in the African-American market, you have to get people to understand the vision. Um, I think in any market, you're going to have people that fall off for whatever reasons, or just, again, don't understand the vision, but I have a lot of gratification and obviously sitting across from somebody that looks like me that has no idea as to what I'm talking about but i'm able to say listen you may have had bad experiences in the past these things have happened but let's just have a conversation for an hour let's just talk and it doesn't have to be you know you telling me um you know whatever it is that you're telling me let's talk about your goals let's just talk about what your plans are what do you want and let's see if i can even be a resource so you know i found in our our culture has a lot of of the negative stigma kind of ingrained right? We have, we've been oppressed, there's been a lot of different things. And, you know, we're very behind. If you look at the wealth gap, we are so behind. And it's so important that we understand these educational pieces to see how we can catch up, you know, and so my biggest thing that I say a lot of times, my colleague, um, uh, Kenny Howard, and, and Kiki, you know him, he and I always say to people when we have our church seminars, invest in your children invest in yourself not on yourself right and so people will think like "Oh, oh two hundred dollars a month that may be a lot well if you go get your nails done and you buy a pair of sneakers then hey you probably just paid that so where can we kind of cut back on the starbucks drinks and things like that like where can we help our budget to make sure that our culture can catch up you know so to speak
1: Hey, so, Carrie, you mentioned the word no, so, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you have hear that a lot, you know, especially in the field in which you all, and uh, you being so competitive, you know, you got that, that athletic competitiveness about it. Like, what was your first response when you heard that word no? Like, what was your response?
0: So, I will tell this, I've told so many, I'll tell you guys the story because now I can laugh about it. And I was, not laughing about it when it happened, obviously. Um, and I tell agents this. I did a, a guest appearance at one of our meetings, and I told them this, and this touched so many people. It's so I went on my first appointment ever at New York Life, and it was with these clients. I had coached their daughter in, at TCNJ because I coached basketball at TCNJ for a short stint. And um, you know, I'm sitting there, and you know, I brought him along, and uh, I brought—excuse me—I brought an agent, another agent, with me because I felt like, you know, I'm new. I want to really see like how he kind of does the meetings and, you know, kind of learn from that. And that's the good thing about New York life. They don't just thrust you into stuff. You can, there's a training, there's a due diligence process. So he's sitting there and this agent is throwing everything but the kitchen sink at these people. And I'm watching, excuse me, we went there at nine o'clock at night for this meeting. This appointment was nine o'clock at night. And I agree to it because in the beginning, you agree to everything. You don't say no, right? You know, you, you want to get yourself built up. And he's throwing everything at them. And I'm watching this couple's, their heads are spinning and they're just going. And I'm like, oh my goodness, my head is spinning. I don't know what he's talking about. They don't know what he's talking about. So we go for three hours. Okay. It is now midnight. What? And you didn't write one thing. At the end of the conversation, it was, well, we have to think about it. Okay, when I tell you I lived an hour away from the meeting place, all right? This time, when I first started the industry, my son was only like four or five months old and I had not been like away from him. Like, like I hadn't been away from him for a full day and when you're a new mother, you're just emotional anyway and it's like, okay, I'm leaving my child. So I had woken up that morning at eight o'clock in the morning, it was a, it was a Monday because Mondays are always long days at the office. I'd woken up at eight o'clock, went through the entire day, go to this appointment at nine o'clock. For three hours, we sit there and we don't write or do any business with them. So we walk out at 12, okay? At this point, I'm pissed with the agent that I brought because I'm like, really? Like, you, you know, I get in my car and there is no gas and it's midnight. I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm stranded. So I literally, I, I called my husband, I don't think I have cried that hard in my life. I was bawling. I'm like, I can't do this. Like, this is not going to work out. I, can't. you know, they didn't even run any business and now I don't have any gas. And I, like, fortunately found a gas station, obviously, because I'm here today. But it was like traumatic for me. And I'm like, I didn't get, I'm like, you know, is Denzi asleep? We call my son Denzi. Is he asleep? And he's like, yeah, he went to bed. And I'm like, oh my God, I missed him. It was my <laughs> first day of being away from him. I was, oh my God, it was, it was, it in in, retro, in hindsight, it was probably pathetic. But at the time, it was very important to me to get that cry on. So that was, I mean, and, and from then on, and I tell that story to agents and I'm like, you are going to have days like that, but you bounce back. So. Yeah.
3: Now the good thing is you did bounce back because you won Rookie of the Year. I did. So tell the audience how Rookie of the Year confirmed you feeling like you are walking in your purpose. And this is something you're supposed to be doing.
0: Rookie of the year was almost for me, like going to the final four. I mean, again, I make those comparisons cause I'm like an athlete in my head still. Right. Not maybe not, um, you know, my body, but in my head, <laughs> cause that cause now we can't run as well as we want to, but, um, you know, it really let me know that, Hey, this is where you're supposed to be. It showed obviously my numbers that I'm impacting people And so again, it was, it was really great for me. It felt like an athletic achievement. And I'm like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is, this is, you know, my purpose. So,
2: so before we wrap up, I want to ask you, how are you doing meetings now? And then what kind of meetings are you doing? So if our audience wants to get in touch with you, they'll know what to expect.
0: Yep. So, you know, all of my meetings obviously are remote, are done remote via Zoom, um, and so I have been doing conference calls with people as well, but people can get in touch with me with direct directly emailing me. Um, and my email address is Washington b at ft.newyorklife.com um, people can also a lot of people have just been shooting me text messages, you know, hey, can I get on your calendar and and so um, if they want to do so my, my line my business line is 609 nine four seven four zero two one and so right. they- well,
3: what we'll do also Carrie, we'll put this in the description perfect so yeah everyone has this information
1: Ooh, hey carrie i have one i have one last question for you carrie like what piece what one piece of advice would you share with our audience today about entrepreneurship and striving for financial freedom
0: Um, The hardest, the the piece of advice that I would say is that the hardest thing to do is to start. People make plans, they write things down, Um, but step two, actually taking action is always the hardest. Think about when you go to the gym, you know, you may be, you go that first day, but like, okay, sticking with it it, is difficult sometimes. So, you know, the initial adrenaline of, oh, I'm going to put down all my thoughts and plans and goals on a piece of paper and I'm going to write them, you know, put them on my vision board or put them on my wall, is awesome. Now taking action and now getting that consistency going is the next steps, are the next steps, excuse me. So, you know, getting somebody in your camp and recognizing where your strengths and weaknesses are, if you need somebody in your camp, somebody like myself, you know, an advisor, an agent, that's gonna be huge, right? So getting somebody that helps you to push towards those goals, um, you know, but I would also say like, don't beat yourself up on having a bad day, right? You have a month where maybe you didn't save as much as you wanted to, or you didn't, um, you know, because this is all a transition, right? Maybe you, you know, you wanted to make to that next paycheck and unfortunately your account did go negative. Set yourself up again next month. Don't beat yourself up in the beginning because it is a transition just like anything in life and you will get there step-by-step. Write down your goals and dreams, stay consistent. Stay consistent. Gotcha.
3: So I got a two parter. First one, I just want to know. Tell us about your support team. I know recently you kind of brought your brother in on in the team. So tell us about your support team.
0: Yeah. So as I mentioned, I'm on a team at New York Life. I did bring my brother into the business a few months ago. He is super ambitious and he just he just grinds and works hard and he knows what he wants. And I'm like, you would be perfect. You know, he speaks very well. You know, to people. He's he's very articulate. And so um, that, that PDS education, my parents were paying for Princeton day okay. school. Um, but you know, I, I've been really blessed because he's had success and I feel like I've been able to attribute to that cause I've been sort of like a mentor to him and bringing him in now, you know, I'm still big sis sometimes. So I, you know, but you know, he's on my team. I'm on a team with 22 other agents and we are underneath of my managers, actually the senior partner. Um, And he is one of the first African-American senior partners that that's in our general office. So it's so exciting to have that as a role model. And then, you know, obviously above him, we've got managing partners and everything, but a state planning attorney. So we, you know, when I give people advice and we're doing financial planning, it's not just off of one person's thought. A lot of times I'll I'll bring things back to my team. My brother and I do a ton of joint work together. Um, We have a lot of clients that we have together and it's, it gives you a good vetting process. You can bounce ideas off of each other, come up with um, concepts and case concepts. So, you know, it is really exciting to have that support system backing you.
3: Gotcha. So, and the next question is this, what advice do you have for our audience? Those people who are at home right now, anxious and unsure about the future their 401ks, you know, has kind of like diminished in value. Sure. What kind of advice do you have for them to help them get through this?
0: Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I would say financially, do not jump out of the market, right? Don't think that you need to pull all of your assets out because of everything that's going on, because there will be a time where it goes back up and you know, the time to go out is when you're on top. Literally. That is, you know, literally that. So that's to that piece. Um you know, but I would say, obviously, number one is have faith, you know, and I, I think that that is the utmost importance. As I said, I, I'd start my days every morning with prayer and, you know, but I think in this time for as hard as it is, there is a reason that we're obviously in this moment. And so whatever that means for you, whether it's financially or even personally, you know, I, I, I tell people even personally, my to-do list is not just call these 10 clients. It's, hey, do the laundry. It's, you know, vacuum. It's. You want to find things every day that makes you feel like you're being productive. And so if you have financial goals, put one or two of those goals on your to-do list every day. If it's, you've got to reorganize your accounts, because I talk to clients about that. Don't have everything come out of one account. You know, have a bill pay account, have a savings account, whatever it is, make that a to-do list item every day, you know, and try to check off one thing, but don't lose faith and hope because... We are in this time for a reason and you have to really dive in personally and figure out what you're going to come out of this experience because that's exactly what it is what you're going to come out of this experience with um, You know, sitting home all day watch binge watching Netflix and eating snacks. Well, you're going to come out with 20 pounds more and you're going to know every Netflix movie. That's great. But You know what else can you do personally to really develop yourself and in this moment. You know, looking at your finances, it's huge because this pandemic is affecting everyone. So it doesn't mean you have to make a rash decision. You know, find somebody that you trust. Call call an agent. Call me. You know, call somebody that you trust to help you get aligned with what your goals are. This is the best time to do it.
2: Mm. Thank you for that advice, Carrie. And I am going to say that I am a witness of that. I was a little skeptical at first when Carrie approached me, but she actually enabled me to look at my finances differently and kind of take me from here to there. So if you are looking to start investing, you may need an advisor. If you're looking to budget, if you're looking to do any of those things, Carrie will be available for consultations, and we just want to thank you for coming on the show, spending some time with us, celebrating Mother's Day with us. And- Mother's Day. Yeah, happy, happy Mother's you. Day! happy
0: Mother's Day! You as well, Kiki. Happy Mother's Day! Thank you.
2: Hey, Kiki. So- <laughs>
0: <laughs> She'll never so- live this one down. I'm so sorry, Kiki.
3: All right, Kehai's but- gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's fun i love it my mother gave me that name and so i carry
0: that name with me forever so Mm -hmm. thanks for coming on oh my goodness thank you guys so much malik kiki russ thank you so much for having me i mean this what you guys are doing is remarkable and this is so powerful so when kiki reached out to me i i knew i had to jump on this opportunity and i am so grateful that you guys allowed me to have a platform today and you know, this was fun. We got to do this again, guys. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> yep, we definitely will. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> we'll okay. be back with more show in a minute. Welcome back to the Russ and Kaylin East experience. Man, Kay, I really learned a lot from our guest, Carrie Washington Blah, about finances.
2: Yeah, I have learned a lot. She is my financial advisor, so I'm telling you, she brings the knowledge. So I can definitely say that our audience has probably learned a lot, and we have learned a lot.
1: And I also, you know what, Kay? I also learned that you have a nickname, Kiki. Wasn't aware of that.
2: That's right, Kiki. Do you love me? Drake definitely put me on the map, as well as uh, the dream when he came out with his song but the k and kayla Nice stands for kiki so my mom gave me that nickname and i carry that for life so don't be calling me kiki all the time now wait
3: wait you trying to say drake made the song about you is that what you say?
2: saying yeah he made the song about me other people made songs about kiki <laughs> you know kiki is the standard hood nickname to be honest with you it's like a million kikis out there but i'm definitely one of the true ones
1: And we're glad to have our Kiki for our our show.
2: Yes, and I'm glad that Carrie came on and gave us some knowledge. And you bring the GPSs, game plan steps, for people to be able to apply that knowledge. So hit us with a game plan step so that people can take everything they learn.
1: No doubt. So when you're striving for financial freedom, first GPS you should do is... Pay yourself first, applying the 10% rule, which means take 10% of your income and put that into savings. For example, I just received my stimulus check of $1,200. I put off the top $120, back into savings, gonna see my money grow. So KK, what do you got for us today for our motivational minute?
2: Let people in your business because then they start using your nickname. (laughs) 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 Too late. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm going to take it from a different standpoint. It's great to Russ when we are able to get a stimulus check, or let's just say your income tax return and put that 10% away. I definitely suggest that. But what about those people out there living paycheck to paycheck? That's one thing that Carrie specializes in is turning people from paycheck to paycheck to investing and spending. So do not get discouraged if you're going from paycheck to paycheck and you feel like you don't have enough money couple things that you can do one start with a small plan set some goals some small goals some realistic goals including some fun goals maybe you want to take a beach trip you may not be able to take a vacation but you may be able to put ten dollars away to go to the beach and then also be willing to accept the mistakes long, along the way because you are gonna make some but that does not mean that you not are not being financially savvy or not able to be a good steward of your money, and then change the way that you think about debt. And one of the ways that you can do that is to get a financial advisor, or you can do small, like microfinancing. I know that I participate in a SUSU, which comes from West Africa um, and West African countries it is where you kind of put in a little bit of money to a SUSU collector, they collect it, and then each time everybody puts their money in, somebody gets paid. So even if you start something small like that, as far as savings, they do that in like West Indian um, islands and Africa because a lot of the banking institutions aren't there. So even if you're not able to have that much capital go to a banking institution right now, you can start something so start something start small and be encouraged that you may make some mistakes but you're gonna make it that's what i got for them and where can they find us when we are not here russ including your game plan steps
1: <laughs> absolutely so yeah you can always find the russ and katie experience you know we suggest that you subscribe to it you like you post it um you can find us on spotify and on itunes Uh, You catch us there. And also, you can also send us an email at russandkaylanese at gmail.com. Russ is spelled R-U-S-S-A-N-D-K-L-E-N-E-S-E at gmail.com. So we would love to hear from you, get your insight, get your comments, send them out to us. How um, How can they contact you there, Kay?
2: So you can contact me on all social media outlets, as I said in the beginning of the episode, at mappeditout, M-A-P-P-E-D, it out. And you can follow me, find out what I'm doing on Mother's Day and things of that nature. But you can also check out our website at multidor, M-O-T-I-D-O-R.com. And then you can book a free session with me. Mm-hmm. Where can they get your book, Russ?
1: Well, you can get my book on amazon the book transition game plan simple steps to achieving personal C- success you can find it on amazon.com you can always follow me on instagram at our World transitions with an s you can always friend me on facebook at ross
2: williams so we hope that this financial episode has been great for you during this time we know that everyone's going through a pandemic we are in a bear market meaning that our we're on a downward slope but we just hope that you're able to take some of this and apply it and have hope and stay encouraged so take us out russ no
1: doubt on behalf of kaylanese our ep extraordinaire malik means and myself russ we thank you for listening to the russ and kaylanese experience and we'll talk to you next week take care You do you know, You do you know, man? do you know,